the Malkoshians. The Malkoshians and the specter of the gun. And your faith has made you well. This is the calm Christian here, about to do what I do, which is, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Happy Saturday, or formerly, the, the artist that was once known as Prince, the day that was once known as the Sabbath day, supposedly. Now, if I were to peer outside my window, I wouldn't see any Jewish people walking to the synagogue because there is no synagogue in my town. But I know there's probably one in the neighboring towns, both to the north and to the south. Not making fun of Jewish people, of course. Never mess with Jewish people and always leave them alone and you can pray for them, but never mess with them. Because any nation that messes with Jewish people destroys its financial health as well as its history. Just ask Babylon and just ask Germany. Anyways, I saw a great Star Trek episode yesterday. And of course, I enjoyed it. And it's the original series, you know, the guys with the, you know, kind of the shirts that are a little too tight. The yellow shirts, the blue shirts, the red shirts. And this one was called The Spectre of the Gun. I'm not very good with names and songs. I just remember, you know, uh, what I've seen. But I never remember the episode. But I saw the episode and, you know, I recall that it's called The Spectre of the Gun. So the Enterprise is approaching this planet, the Malkotian planet. And the Malkotians ventured out into the galaxy and then came back. They withdrew. And they don't want any contact with anybody else, including the humans, the Federation. So they beam down to the planet and these people, the Malkotians, say, um, Captain, you have, um, in you is the pattern of your own execution. And somehow the crew of Spock, Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, and Chekhov are taken back to a, a facsimile, a representation of the OK Corral. I don't know too much about this, but there was a, a, a really famous gunfight in the West. It was between the Clantons and the Earps and Doc Holliday. And it had something to do with rustling cattle and selling cattle for meat. So the Earps and Doc Holliday, I don't know if they were the people in town or the sheriff or the law, the quote law, unquote. And then the Clantons and another, another family uh, were against them. And they had a big um, shootout on October 28, 1886 or 81. See how bad I am with history. So this is what happens now. And Kirk finds out that the Makotians have put him in to this facsimile and they're supposed to have a shootout at 5 o'clock at the OK Corral. And if you, look at, if you look at them walking around, there's something wrong about the town. It doesn't look right. It's incomplete. And that's because, according to the episode, the Malkotians have looked into Captain Kirk's mind 
because he's, you know, he's from the American frontier and they've pulled this piece of history out of his mind, either because he remembers it, which he doesn't seem to remember very well, or because his ancestors were part of the American frontier. It's really Mr. Spock that kind of figures out and recalls all the things that are going on. And by and large, they're trying to get out of this fight at the OK Corral at 5 o'clock p.m. They're trying to get out of it. They try to get out of town. The Makotians put a force field there. They can't leave. And it's the four of them. And one guy, I guess Chekhov, has been made to be Billy, Billy Claiborne. Is he Billy Claiborne? And there's a girl that's just madly in love with him. And, and Chekhov, um, played by Walter Cohen, I think, he's very cute, right? He's, he's, this girl is just making out with him, and he just absolutely adores her, and he's just smiling from ear to ear. You know, I don't know how much they pay that actress, but she was pretty, pretty good looking. <laughs> she was hot, and she was making out with him, and I'm sure, that, I'm sure that he had a fun time doing that episode. But they, they're faced... Now, if we go into the story, they're faced with a problem. They can't get out of it. So they finally figure out, you know what? We're going to make a tranquilizer and we're going to tranquilize um, Doc Holliday and the Earps. We're going to tranquilize the other guys. We're not going to, we, we don't want to kill them uh, because they're really expert at killing us and we're the ones that are going to die, but we don't want to die. So we're going to make a tranquilizer. We're going to make a, a, a spray can and we're going to spray it at them. But first, we've got to test it. And they end up testing it on Scotty. And of course, uh, Scotty, you know, he's having a, a shot of uh, bourbon or rum or whiskey, whatever it is. And then he tests this canister. It doesn't work on him. And then, of course, Billy Claiborne is hanging out with the pretty girl. And she wants him to marry her. And uh, he can't because he says, you, if you could only see the way I really am. Because he's not really Billy Claiborne. It's... it's um, Chekhov and he gets into a confrontation with the Earps and they shoot a gun at him and kill him they kill they kill Chekhov and 10 minutes to the OK Corral so it's 4.50 at 10 minutes Spock and the others are having a conversation because the, the, the canister didn't work the tranquilizer didn't work so Mr. Spock is asking them all these questions um, why didn't it work? Well, it, the, natural laws, and he's going into a whole spiel. It sounds like philosophy, but it, it almost sounds like parts of the Bible. Natural laws govern how we exist. And if natural laws don't work, then reality can't function. And then he says, how come the, ga the canister of gas did not work on Scotty. Why didn't they made this can the gas from rattlesnake uh, poison? So I don't know. They 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 made they they found rattlesnakes in this reality. It's never shown in the episode. And then they're using a mortar and a pestle. These are all things from chemistry where you grind something together and you make a powder. And they're making a powder and they made this canister. And why didn't it work on Scotty? It should have worked. So they're having a conversation. Of course, Mr. Spock is driving the conversation. Why didn't it work? It didn't work because what we are, we are faced, he says, with a staggering contradiction that all around us is unreality. 
And they say, what killed Chekhov? Um, in your opinion, doctor, asks uh, Mr. Spock, what killed Chekhov? And the doctor says, I don't know. There wasn't a mark on him. I don't know what killed him. And Mr. Spock says, I know what killed him. His mind killed him. He believed the bullets were real that were fired from the gun of one of the Earps. And he believed that the bullet was real. So when the guy fired the gun, the bullet killed him. His mind killed him. Because this reality looks, it, it looks like a reality, but the buildings are not complete. Nothing is complete. It, 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 there's something wrong with the reality that they're in. And they're obviously not in a real reality. They're obviously in something that the Malkotians have put them in because the Malkotians are, are telepaths. So the telepaths have put them into some kind of vision that's not quite reality. And the Malkotians have done this because they're testing them. Why am I saying this? Because in the Bible, it says that Jesus is walking around. And where does it, where does it say? In Mark 5. And there's this woman... In Mark 5, in verse 25, and I'll read it to you. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, verse 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. This is the King James. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Verse 31, And his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and you say, Who touched you? Verse 32, And he looked round to see her, that he had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Jesus says in verse 34, Your faith has made you well. That's what it says in the scriptures. Okay? Now, let me read the other story. There's another story in there. So there's like, there's like a whole bunch of stories here um, of healing in here, right? There's, there's, Mark 5 is pretty packed. It's pretty action-packed. People always say, read the book of John if you want to tell uh, um, someone, you want to influence someone for Jesus. But I'm beginning to think the, Mark, the book of Mark 5, the book of Mark is way simpler than John. John is kind of like theological. Mark is just, Jesus is just go, go, go. He's just on the move. Jesus is on the move in Mark. It's not a lot of theology. And I heard that, you know, John Mark wrote this because Peter dictated to him and it was dictated. And, and it seems to be something that the Gentiles, it's, it's more towards the Gentiles. Okay, the Gentiles, you know, the non-Jewish people weren't really saddled with a lot of God and theology. Quote, in the old days, unquote. It was just, just Jesus. 
It was real simple. It was relationships. Relationship with God. Verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, the daughter, Thy daughter is dead, which troubles the master any further. Why trouble you the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he says unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James, and John the brother of James. And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees the torment, and them that wept and wailed greatly. Verse 39, And when he was come in, he says unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. Verse 40, This is not nice. And they laughed him to scorn. Imagine, they laughed him to scorn. Here is the Son of God coming to help, and they think that he's a crackhead. They don't believe. Why are you making a big fuss? She's not. She's sleeping. And Jesus says she's sleeping. She's dead. That's his way of, that's Jesus's way of saying you're dead. So when people say, well, the dead don't sleep, what did? Jesus said they were sleeping. He said Lazarus was sleeping. But Paul also says you go to be with the Lord. So how do you reconcile those two things together? I don't know. It's just my hermeneutic and it's not salvational. But I think when you go to be with the Lord, when you die... You're just not conscious. You're asleep. You're in a dormant state. How does your mind, which is like software, how is it conscious when you don't have a brain, when you don't have eyeballs and hardware, and you don't have the spark of life? You're in a dormant state. I just had to reboot my computer three times because it wouldn't come back. It wouldn't come on. The, the, the light was on, but the computer was not working and the screen was not on. My computer's from 2014. It's kind of old. One day it's not going to come on at all anymore. I had to do it three times. The thing is finally working. It's not dormant anymore. Now it's online. When you die, you're not online anymore. You're offline. Okay? The screen ain't working. Nothing's working. My mother's dead. Her body's in a grave somewhere in Etobicoke in Mississauga. She's awaiting the day of the resurrection. And her mind has gone to be with the Lord. But I don't think my mother is conscious. But I don't know. I honestly don't care. And I can't prove it. Anyways, enough of that. They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother and the, of the damsel and them that were with him and, entered, and entereth where the damsel was lying. I think it was Peter, James, and John. So it was the inner circle of three. It was the three, the two brothers of thunder, and it was uh, the big mouth himself, Peter. I'm just kidding. Verse 41, he died upside down on a cross. I mean, that is a man who had courage. He had courage. Upside down on a cross. When I go to the gym and I hang myself upside down for a minute just to stretch out my back, I feel like my head is going to explode. I always think of Peter every time I do that. Verse 41, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto you, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and he commanded that something should be given her to eat. Both, both examples of, of healing, both examples of faith. Jesus says to the woman, your faith has made you well. Um, and then he heals the girl, and he says she was sleeping. 
And then he heals her. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't say to her, your faith has made you well. Maybe she's just a young girl. I mean, what, what does she really know about faith? The bottom line is, why am I telling you this? Because it seems to me that when Mr. Spock has a conversation, he says, well, I know the bullets are not real. Therefore, the guns at five o'clock are not going to kill me. I know the bullets are not real. Therefore, it cannot hurt me. Therefore, when they fire the guns at me, when the Earps fire the guns at me, because they think I'm some guy um, in the Clanton group, in the Clanton clan at five o'clock in the shootout at OK Corral, it's not going to hurt me. And of course, you know, Ms. Dr. McCoy has been, a, been after Spock now for the whole episode. He's been kind of saying things to Spock. It's sort of not nice, but kind of persecuting him almost, you know. They're kind of sitting at a table and they're making up this uh, gag. Uh, canister and he says you know Spock you just you're just you're not human you know you're just a Vulcan and and Kirk kind of says you know almost to like lay off and Mr. Spock says because Mr. Spock is like well Leonard Nimoy is Jewish and you know he's kind of the Vulcan and he's kind of logical but he says it's okay captain it's okay they forget that I'm half human which is almost like a way of saying they almost forget that they I can be hurt He's forgotten that as he's persecuting me. So anyways, Dr. McCoy says, Spock, we're not like you. We can't turn it on and turn it off. We can't turn on our minds. There's going to be some doubt. Mr. Spock says, yes, there's going to be some doubt. McCoy says, there will always be doubt. There will always be doubt. Spock agrees with him. So then... So then I guess Kirk says, okay, Spock, you have to give us the Vulcan mind meld. So he has to, he sits with the three guys. So this is in a, a time period of 10 minutes now, which has been shortened on the screen to 30 seconds. And he's doing this Vulcan mind meld, which is supposed to be fortifying their mind, taking away the doubt and making them know, not just believe, but know, know, know that the bullets are not real and cannot kill them. And it sounds kind of zombie-ish. You know, the bullets are not real, says Mr. Spock. The bullets are not real, says Dr. McCoy. They cannot kill you. They cannot kill us. <laughs> it sounds very zombie-ish. It sounds almost very occultish. And Mr. Spock has pointy ears like the pan god like the devil God. It's kind of strange. I don't know if God is really working through this episode or not, but this is just what's going through my fat head. I don't tell you what to think, my friends. I'm just telling you, I'm asking you to think about what I tell you. And it is my hermeneutic, and it's a pretty stupid hermeneutic. But excuse me, what do you want from free for free from the internet? So Mr. Spock is almost, quote, like God, unquote, because he's the one who has the ability to take away doubts. And the humans, all the guys who are 100% human, the guys that have all the doubts, they're the ones that need help. Well, we humans do doubt and we need help. We certainly do. We need faith. Because to be a sinner is to be a faith killer. We don't believe in God. We don't think he is 
who he says is. We don't think Jesus is the Messiah. We don't believe that God loves us. We don't believe it. But our doubts will kill us. Because Spock says, if you have one scrap of doubt, the bullets will kill you. And he has to turn it on and turn off the doubt and turn on the faith. Well, I don't know about you, but that's the gospel if I've ever heard it. Coming from a TV secular show in the 60s where two of the main actors are Jewish. That's the gospel. Turn on your faith and turn off your doubt. Some days it's really easy and some days, like yesterday, yesterday was not a good day for me. Everything just seemed to go wrong and I had a day off. Today I got up and I wondered, why am I bothered? Why was I bothered yesterday? I feel totally calm. I feel good. But yesterday was a doubt, a day of doubt, a day when things are going wrong. Things just, I just felt, I don't know, unhappy, unsettled, missing my children, upset that my children are not with me right now. What's it got to do with the, st- with the story of the woman? Well, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And I've heard people say, uh, well, what Jesus did was he just talked to people and he plumped them up and he made them believe. He put their mind into a state of higher consciousness where they could heal themselves. He made the woman believe that she was going to be healed. And so it was like positive motivation. And because he lifted her up, then she herself healed herself because her mind now, because she reached into her mind herself and pulled out the faith she never knew she had. And then that faith went through her body and healed this plague that was inside of her. I've heard that. It sounds reasonable, but is that what Jesus is saying? He says, your faith has made you well. Finish the sentence. Two options. Is it behind door number one or is it behind door number two? Your faith bracket in you bracket has made you well. Or your faith bracket in me bracket has made you well. Which option is it? Because in the Star Trek episodes, they're the ones who were increased in faith. Yeah, they had a little bump up for Mr. Spock, who's kind of like the Jesus guy in this context. But they did it themselves. They turned their minds on. They did it. Kirk says later on, he says, the human race, we overcame our aggressions. We overcame our animosity towards each other. We are the ones who achieved peace. Is that true? Is that true? Do we contain the solution or are we the problem? Because it seems to me when I read the Bible, yes, if you're a Christian and you overcome To the outside world, it looks like you did it. You're the one that has to open the door. You're the one that has to 
open the door, the door handle from the inside and pull the door. You're the one that has to do it. It's your choice. But the solution doesn't come from within. It comes from outside. It comes from God. It comes through Jesus Christ, who God has tabernacle in 100%. It comes from the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to all who believe because Jesus is the God-man. He's the man that God lives in. He's God in flesh. Your faith has made you well, Jesus said, but I think it should have said, your faith in me has made you well. But I didn't write the Bible. God wrote the Bible through John Mark, through Peter's experiences, and God wrote it that way because I think God wants to give you the choice. God wants you to choose for him, and that's why he wrote, your faith has made you well. Instead of writing, your faith in me has made you well. Because you get to read the story for yourself, and you get to decide. You can't pick for somebody else. We can influence other people around us, and I have tried to do that, and most likely done it badly. You can only influence other people. You can't pick for them, but you can pick for yourself. Your faith in God has made you well. Dear Lord, I want to be healed. Or your faith in you, you can decide has made you well. But I don't think the solution is inside. So I don't think the second option is viable after all. In the Star Trek episode at five o'clock at OK Corral, the Earps and Doc Holliday open fire on the four of them, on Mr. Spock, on Mr. Scott, on Captain Kirk, and on Dr. McCoy. Because you see all the bullets hitting the fence and the fence is just blowing up, but they don't die. They don't fall down dead. And finally, Kirk jumps the guy, uh, gives him that flying kick in the chest, grabs his gun, and then holds the gun near the guy's face. And then he puts the gun, throws the gun away. And apparently the Enterprise, the Federation, has passed the test because the Malkotians see that the humans don't kill. So the Malkotians say, approach our planet and be welcome. But Mr. Spock, ever the student of human consciousness and emotions and philosophy comes, Captain, did you want to kill that man? Did you want to kill that man? McCoy has to pipe up. No, he didn't want to. Captain Kirk says, yes, I did want to. I did want to kill him. And Mr. Spock asks, why didn't you do it? And he says, because we overcame our aggression. We overcame our broke. We overcame um, our aggression. That's how the human race has, quote, achieved peace. But as he was saying that, I realized, you know what? We are broken. We do want to kill. We do want to hurt. We do want to maim. We're evil. We have evil in us. It's like a disease. It's a plague. But only God, 
Only Jesus, only the Holy Spirit can make you well. We have a plague in us just like that woman. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to overcome the aggression? Do you want to be someone who is not angry and bitter and resentful? Do you want to surrender to the Holy Spirit of love, joy, and peace and self-control? Or do you want to grow old, never surrendering to the Holy Spirit and just become better at hiding yourself and becoming better at more of what you already are, which is broken? I want to live. I don't want to die. And I don't want to believe that the bullets can hurt me because Satan is firing bullets at us. And unless we have the faith of Christ and the faith of God and the faith in God to know his bullets cannot hurt us. The devil is the Earps and Doc Holiday, And you are the ones that are being fired upon. But you will live if you overcome your doubts because it's not you doing it. It's Christ and God doing it in you. A way better version of Mr. Spock. Do you want to be well? The bullets cannot hurt you. We are faced with a staggering contradiction, Mr. Spock says, but the bullets from the devil cannot hurt you. Do you want to be well? We can't switch it on and switch it off like you, Spock. Yes, yes, Dr. McCoy, you're right. But Dr. McCoy was half right. Only God can turn it on in you, not Mr. Spock. Later. <laughs>